Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for the show today is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you so much to Misha. I also want to briefly mention the Ozarks Food Harvest, which is a food bank here in southwest Missouri. To be clear, I have no official relationship with the Ozarks Food Harvest, but they are doing important and meaningful work to help feed hungry people across many locations in the area. I strongly encourage you to find a way to contribute to your local food bank, as it is a cause that has immediate impact on people in your area. This week, we are joined by author, military veteran, coach, mother, and podcaster, Carolyn Owens. I had the pleasure of meeting Carolyn earlier this year, and she is just an absolute delight. Carolyn has been a wonderful friend to both me and The Walk Show, and is directly responsible for several of the guests you've heard this year. I also had the pleasure of being on Carolyn's podcast, which is Let's Coach with Carolyn, Career Strategist, Leadership, and Life Coach. You can find the link to that episode in the show notes or by looking up Carolyn's podcast, Let's Coach with Carolyn, on any of the podcast platforms. Carolyn had a long career in the military before successfully transitioning into entrepreneurship in the private sector. Carolyn is also a proud mother, has written books to help people make the transition from military life into the private sector, and helped countless individuals through her coaching practice. I was so excited to have Carolyn come on the show, and I'm sure you will see why. Without further ado, let's get on to the conversation with Carolyn. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Carolyn Owens. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So uh, I actually met you in Orlando this year at PodFest, and I've mentioned you on a couple of other episodes, but just so the audience is clear, this is the the engine of the Walk Show at this point, folks, because she is driving interviews for me. I've gotten Coach Colin Thompson that was on, which was a terrific interview. I I was blown away by the conversation I got to have with him. You introduced me to him. Um, Alana Pratt, who, while you and I are talking right now, that episode's not out, but it'll be out by the time our episode comes out. So, um, but that was an introduction that you made. So thank you very much for, for, for putting me in contact with these people. They've been incredible. Well, I personally, so there's a few podcasts that I listen to myself and yours is one of them. (laughs) I really I have you bringing some interesting topics and interesting, you know, people that a lot of subjects that people wouldn't necessarily talk about. So I enjoyed listening to it. And I had you as a guest on my show. And that was a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to having you back. Yes, yes, I was. I I had such a a fun time, which I mean, I like to talk so much that I started two podcasts, right? So (laughs) um, clearly, I can't get enough of myself. But I really enjoyed being on your show. And encourage anyone to go check it out. I'll, I'll make sure and, and keep promoting it on social media. I'd post it on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but it was a really fun, really fun conversation. And I, I talked about myself a lot. So <laughs> it was great for me. Um, no, I'm kidding. It was, it was a good interview. But so yeah, so you're, you're uh, a, a woman of very, very many talents and, and, and paths in life. And I don't say that to flatter you. Um, so you're, you're a coach. Yeah. Uh, and so in your coaching, you you work with individuals one-on-one, is that right? Yes, I work with individuals one-on-one and uh, in a group. So I do both. And I also do some organizational training. Yeah. And then you're an author? Yes. Yeah. And what is that book about? <laughs> okay, so we'll come I... back to this in more detail, but there's a <laughs> lot. Of, I, wanna, I want people to understand the umbrella of things that you've got going on. 
So in terms of authors, so I have um, been, I, I guess I could say, um, multi-time Amazon bestseller. And the one book uh, I have a few that I've done are like collaborative efforts that are with the uh, International Association of Professional Life Coaches, where in those books, we all have chapters where we talk about how coaching um, helps in various aspects of your life. Uh, maybe focusing on, we've got one coming out in, in the near future about health and wellness um, and just about life coaching in general. But it also, it's not just about how coaching helps you, but there's actual tips and strategies within the book about moving your life forward. And so I've done three of those, as well as the book that I've done by myself is about transitioning from the military. I did serve in the military, retiring after 24 years. And this book is about how to have a very successful transition into the civilian sector after serving in the military. Um, it's, it kind of captures the steps that I did. I had a very smooth transition. Um, most people end up, a lot of people end up going to work for the federal government or state government after they retire. And I, that wasn't the path I, I chose to take. And so it, it really kind of outlines some of the different things I did and things that you need to consider. So it's um, 15 steps to a successful military transition. And it's Heading Home is the title, Heading Home, 15 Steps to a Successful Military Transition. And then I have a few that I'm working on now that are going to be solo projects that, you know, for me, they're more, um, because of the level that I'm writing those at, they're going to take a little bit longer. And of course, uh, like a lot of authors, I love to do my blog. So right, right. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. And then, and then, obviously, also a a podcaster. But but your podcast, unlike me, where I take the easy way out and <laughs> record way ahead of time, and then have plenty of time to edit and whatever, you're doing live shows. I mean, you you upload those as podcasts for people to come back and listen to later. But you're doing it live on the air when you're actually doing these interviews. Yeah, most of the ones I do are live, um, and I, I know some I'm going to probably have to start doing because meeting people's schedules, because I've interviewed people across the globe, and we've got the time differences and different things that we have to take in consideration, but mm -hmm. most of the episodes are live, and that can be challenging because um, things happen, and sometimes the guests can't show up, or you know, I've had some people have emergency situations where they can't rec uh, show up that day, and, and we don't. sometimes we don't know where the show's already started. And I get a message that something is, you know, has happened or it's like, oh, okay. But fortunately I could just say, guys, if you're listening, I'm going to like hide this one. You will never see it, but they will. And the guests kind of, we do get them back on and that's sure. the challenge of doing them live. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would, I don't know how comfortable I would be doing it live. I remember when I was at PodFest in 2019, uh, there was a lady there who, um, hadn't actually started a podcast yet, but she was interested in trying to explore if she wanted to. Um, but she told me she'd been doing live radio for like a decade. Oh, wow. Like she was paying some local station for a block of time. And then she was putting on a radio show. And I was like, if you're putting on a, a live radio show, I promise you, you could do a podcast. Like yeah. you just need to go for it because yeah. you've already all the, all the stuff that people are scared about with podcasting you're already doing so <laughs> um so as far as coaching goes um i i've come to discover you know I, I didn't really know much about coaching at all and and i still don't frankly but um you know last year i had a, a, a personal friend of mine stacy johnson 
uh, came on the podcast and uh, she talked about um, her, her work as a life coach. And then she introduced, introduced me to um, Ashley Thomas, who, who I ultimately ended up kind of hiring as my life coach or partnering with. Um, but she came on and talked. But then since then, like I talked to, to Coach Colin, uh, who, like I said earlier, you'd introduce me to, and he, his coaching is more career focused. Yeah. Uh, or like Alana Pratt, her coaching is more relationship focused. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of discovering that there's like a lot of more, you know, it's all coaching, but there's all these nuances in it. Right. So where do you kind of fall in the the nuanced coaching world? Um, so you can, there's, I like to say you can find a coach for every area of life. They have um, health and wellness coaching coaches. Um, you can have coaches around fitness. Like you talked about relationships and intimacy coaches and really the area I focus a lot on is uh, careers. I like to say it's a, I'm more of like a career strategist, a leadership and life coach. I also work in the executive area where we really look at some of the nuances that go with career development and charting that path. Because for me, when you talk about careers, it's not just about your career. You're, nowadays, you, you think your career, your life, it's so intertwined. Because we are working from home. Um, we have the internet capabilities that we have now, our cell phones and what they can do. So a lot of it is, you know, it's, it, there are people, you can work 24 hours a day now. Um, not that you'd want to, mm -hmm. but it is so much a part of everything and who we are. So I look at it as this one kind of big circle that all comes together. And as you're charting this path and you're figuring out, hmm, you know, what is it I, I want to do? You've got to take all these other things into consideration. Huh. Yeah, that's um that that that's interesting. And well, and so something else that I've kind of found though, and I'm I I'm I, I think I know the answer, but I'll ask because I don't know. Um I, I found that, you know, even in, in talking to Alana or or talking to, to Colin, even though there are these nuanced things and there's different kind of lenses to look at it through, if you will it seems like it all ultimately kind of comes back down to personal development because in the end, that's all we can really control is ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like you can't change other things. All you can do is change yourself and how you interact with things. And maybe that changes the things that are available for you. Do you find that's true in your work as well? Or is it not as much focused on personal development? It, it is. Um, so I like to say it's this combination of personal and professional development. Because a lot of things that we're going to use when we're talking about some of the, the challenges that someone faces in the work environment or with their business is going to be skills and things that you can use in your personal life or vice versa. Um, a big thing that I, I find is about communication, relationships, and a lot, and it, it, like I said, does overlap significantly how you communicate and that self-awareness about yourself. You know, because that's like you said, the only thing that you can truly control is yourself. Well, we lose sight of who we are, what we want, because we get on this wheel that we're so driven and we got to do this and we got to do that. And a lot of times we're doing things that other people say we should be doing. And one day you wake up and it's like, oh man, you know, whose life am I living? Am I living the life that they want me to live? Or am I going to really step out and do things that I, you know, this is where my passion is. This is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And they take, you know, sometimes it's life events or as we, you know, uh, have more experience 
you know, there was a time where people would get on this career path and they would stay and do the same job for years and years and years, stay with the same company for years and years and years. We don't do that anymore. As we change, we may find out, yeah, this is what I was doing at this time in my life. But now, as I've learned more about myself, I've experienced more of the world and life. I want to try and do this. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. So we see that. But sometimes we have to have, you know, the coach is good to be able to ask you certain questions and help you give you that, help you create this roadmap that's going to help you get down that path and help you kind of really see, ah, yes, that aha moment. You know, this is the, whatever was holding me back and limiting me from moving forward. And I, I can do that. We make, we're great for accountability coaches are. We're great motivators and, and, and um, cheerleaders and inspiring people. Yeah, that's, you know, that's another thing that I come back to is that um, there's a lot of emphasis on techniques and not mm -hmm. just in coaching, to be clear, but just in, in life. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of emphasis on technique. And, and and I understand why, because technique is how you do something right. It's how an action is accomplished or a task is accomplished. And I get that. But what I've I've kind of come to is that again, I don't, I'm not trying to diminish technique or, 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 or imply that technique isn't valuable because I think that it is, but I also think that it's irrelevant if a person doesn't have the fundamental belief that the technique could work, right? And not that they have to have a belief about a technique they're not familiar with, but simply that like they're, if, I, if I'm at point A and I want to get to point B, I have to believe that I can get to point B before learning techniques about how to get to point B will help me. Does that make sense? It does, because I don't see it as a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, you, you have to really understand and work the report and know what it is, what, you know, some, what is it somebody desires, how, and I, like, it's not a turnkey process where, you know, mm -hmm. you got step A, step A. I, some coaches have this, I've got this five step process, but those five steps may not, fit everybody you know so mm -hmm. you have to have that flexibility to really think okay and understand it starts with understanding as i say that self-awareness you know what are those goals what is it you want to achieve you know it's not always the you know you can take different routes to get to your destination yeah you know, and i think that's where people should not get stuck on thinking i got this one way when i started my business um i won't forget someone told me if you don't do it this way, you are not going to succeed. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it that way. And mm -hmm. I turned out pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing that I, like, that's the, the question that I think I find myself lately, which <laughs> the audience might be tired of me <laughs> trying to ex search for this answer. Um but it's, it's honestly, it's a thing that occupies my mind often now. And, and it's that I don't know, I don't understand how to convince someone or convince isn't even the right word. Cause, but, but I don't know how to get someone to believe like it, if someone believes and then there's techniques to apply and you can help foster that belief or help mm -hmm. them grow that belief like that, I, I think I understand at least intellectually, but, um, but I don't know how to get someone that doesn't believe to believe. And that seems like the crux of the whole thing. Like, like it, it, 
it's uh, this is a little woo woo here for you, but <laughs> if, if if it's like it's like if you imagine it's like a river, and I'm just kind of making this up on the fly, so if it doesn't make sense, that's fine. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a river, and like your belief is like dictating where that current, the the way that the direction of the current in that river is flowing, right? Right. And so the belief, the, the current has to be going that way. And then you can get in the, in the boat and maybe you get in a raft or a canoe or a kayak and you maybe use a single paddle or maybe a double paddler. And those are like all the different techniques. But if you don't have the belief, like now you're trying to go upstream because your belief is going to push you another way. And if you can get that belief in place first, then everything else kind of cascades out from that. And again, that's kind of where I've, I've, where I'm at with thinking about it now, but does that make sense? And, and I mean, you're the expert on this. Like, what is your, I just, I mean, really, I'm really curious as to like, does that make sense or is that, is that too idealistic or something or, or too naive or am I overlooking something? So if, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're, it's about whether or not you believe you can achieve that or you can achieve that goal. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not, it's, I don't think it's exclusively tied to, um, tied to, to, I mean, I guess it could be a goal, but it's, it's not necessarily like a thing that you want to accomplish. Like it could be, um, I'm trying to think of a, of a, a clear way to, I guess it, I guess it could be tied to that. Like, hmm. here's an example maybe that works like in my own life. I, I thought for, uh, for a long time, I've held a belief, let's say about, um, about consuming, right. And, and whether that be consuming in the version of like eating or consuming in the version of like buying things, Mm -hmm. right. But just, just consuming something, (laughs) whether it be literally eating it or, or again, like purchasing or whatever, and I think I had a long held belief that I didn't really understand was a belief that 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 the act of consuming could help bring me comfort in times of stress. Right. Okay. And that belief in and of itself then dictates a whole bunch of behavior after that, that leads to outcomes that are really all just derivatives of that one belief. But when I discovered that belief and then was able to change that belief now everything else can change after that. And it makes way more. Does that make sense? What it I'm saying? Does. So it does. It's not even purely an accomplishment driven thing. It can just yeah. be a way that you, a belief about the world. Anyway, I'm sorry to keep rambling. <laughs> so I, here's how I usually put that. So it's okay. about our truth. And so you can have, I always say you have that capital T and that lowercase T that what is your real truth? We, our experiences, what we go through in life shape us. And sometimes what we go through as a child and we're going, growing up, can be, you know, these negative thoughts and ideals and concepts that are put in our head. And we begin to believe these things that as we get more life experience, we realize "Eh, that may not exactly be what I think it was, or somebody um, will tell you, you're not going to be this, or you're not going to do that. And so you get on that trajectory of not achieving more than what people have told you can, um, that you're going to be this, you know, um, so I, I recently interviewed uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy on my show. He's the author of his recent book, Personality Isn't Permanent. And one, his book talks about the personality assessments and how people will come, go get so absorbed with them that, oh, this assessment tells me this is who I've got to be. 
Mm. You know, so you're hearing this, you're reading it, you're thinking it. Oh my God, I'm I am an introvert, so I got to be an introvert all the time. Mm. Or you know, I am. It, it, we get caught up in these beliefs about ourselves, or you know, that a piece of paper has told us, or our past has told us. But we do not have to be that person as we learn more and get through life. What we wanted when we were graduating from high school or when we were graduating from college, you know, is not the same as when we get married and we have kids. Life changes those things and it changes how we view the world. We have, we, um, I like to often compare it to a pair of glasses. If you may have a pair of glasses that have blue tint, you're going to see the world at that moment through that blue tint. But if you put a pair of glasses on that have a rose tint to it, you're going to now see it through the rose glasses. So it shifts as you go through life's experience and things. And eventually you're like, okay, this is, you step into this person of, I'm not worried about what everybody else thinks. You know, I'm going to try things. I'm going to experience life. I'm going to live life instead of being caught up and trapped in that we've got to be trapped in a set of beliefs of who we are supposed to be. idea of the glasses that you're talking about is something that that's a much more eloquent way to put it um a, a much more relatable way certainly i i always <laughs> I, I i i constantly try and talk about the idea of like that there's a difference between reality and truth mm-hmm. and i think that that sounds like <laughs> mumbo jumbo but it but it, it it's not but again i mean semantics you know people can say what what they want but <laughs> but just what i mean being like like the easiest example I always give is like, if a stove is on, it is hot and it will hurt you if you touch it. And that's true. Right. But if you believe that the stove is hot, then your reality will be that you don't touch it because you interact with it. Like it's a hot, dangerous thing. But if you don't think it's turned on, which maybe isn't because you're being willfully ignorant, maybe you just, whatever, you don't think it's on you will now operate differently. You'll be much more careless around the stove. You might set a a towel on it or something, right? But the truth didn't change. The stove was still on, but your reality was very much different. And I get that the stove is a silly example, but it's just that there's a distinction. And I think that people get caught in, in thinking that because something is true and they perceive it in a certain way, that that reality is the only one that can exist. And it's like, there can actually be different realities while the same thing is true. And that's what you're talking about with the glasses. Like the world is a way, but if I put on blue glasses, I see it here. If I switch to red, I see it a different way, yes. but nothing actually changed except what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? Yes. So. And that comes anyway. with the knowledge and all the different things. And we educate ourselves and we learn more. Yeah. It's nothing around us may have changed, but we're seeing it differently. Yeah, and that's part of coaching uh, allows you to open your eyes to things that you may not have been able to see. And then you can start thinking differently and see, you know, you'll see things differently and then you can make better decisions about, okay, yeah, this is, I'm going to try this. We are, most people are pretty much um, 
not willing to take risk, no matter how small they are, to be able to see. And I, um, it's this whole thing I do about the courage to take risk, where you can step outside of that comfort zone, because I think that is where you achieve some of the the the, the some of those things that we avoid doing and don't want to do end up being the best experiences in life. Yes. I mean, you know, the reason that I know you is because when I was in PodFest in 2019, the year before, I had done five episodes, right? So I'm brand new. I mean, not that I'm not still relatively new at all this, but I was brand new and, uh, and just learned about PodFest two or three weeks before it happened. So it's not like I was planning on going or something. I get there. I don't have business cards. I mean, the the day it starts, they're like, you need business cards tonight for a mixer thing we're doing. <laughs> so I went down to the Walgreens on the corner and I'm writing out business cards by hand on index cards that I bought at the wall, you know, just trying to have something. But so I'm totally out of my element. Well, I'm, I'm sitting there in the restaurant at the hotel or whatever, where we're staying. And I don't know a soul there. I mean, I don't know anybody. And I feel like I'm like total imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Like, I don't belong here. Like, what yeah. am I doing? And I see our mutual friend, Jamison Smallwood, sitting at a table. And he comes in with the lanyard around his neck. <laughs> so I knew he was from PodFest, but I had never seen him or encountered him other, out, outside of that. But he was by himself. So he sits down at a table, maybe two tables away from me. And no one that listens to the show and probably not you either would ever think of me as a shy person. Um, <laughs> but I actually, I actually am when I'm like, I actually do get scared when I don't know anybody now. Like when you met me, I already knew Jameson. I already knew some people. So I was more my natural self. But when I show up in a room and don't know anyone, I'm actually, believe it or not, timid. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting over there at this table, like, like, scared and, and insecure feeling and i didn't want to go talk to jameson because i don't know this guy and who want to go invite myself to his table well that's exactly what i did was i stood up and walked over and said hey are you know you're at podfest it looks like this is my name and, and he was like oh hey nice to meet you and then i was like do you care if i come join you and he was like sure and and then i was off and running you know what i mean so so the point just being like because i was willing to kind of make myself do something I wasn't super comfortable with ended up paying off hugely. I mean, Jameson's been a great friend of mine since that time. And then I basically repeated that this year. I walked into a place and you're at a table with Jameson. <laughs> I just walked up and sat down again and just did the whole thing over. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I've, I've heard that. I don't know exactly what the phrase is, but it's like, you know, life begins at the edge of your comfort or, or where your comfort ends kind of thing. But, um, I think there's some definite truth to that. So, you know, you talked about, obviously you had a, a very storied military career, 24 years in the military. So was, was that something that, and I, I know we're totally going out of order sequentially here, but like, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, how because I, I have an impression in my, in my head, the stereotype I would have for someone that was in the military for 24 years is rigid. Right. And I would, I don't describe you that at, at all. Like you're one of the nicest, funniest, most fun loving people that I've met. So how, how, how did you get, how did you end up going to the military? Is that something you decided at an early age? Was it something that was just the best opportunity when you were 18 or how did that all kind of unfold? So um, growing up, I was part of the U uh, S Naval sea cadet program, Okay, which kind of, I mean, I, that was a very important part of me being a child. It made, I was, 
the only one in my neighborhood doing it. And I got to participate in true Navy-based activities and do different things. And I enjoyed it. In fact, um, they actually put an article about me in their magazine about two years ago, I think it was, um, you know, years later after being this sea cadet and, uh, you know, the path I took. And, but I knew I used to, because of the sea cadets, I got to kind of hang out at recruiting offices and see how they worked and what they were doing. I said, oh, I'm going to go in the military. I was a pretty quiet and timid kind of person at times, but and it's like, yeah, whatever, you're going to go in the military. And I also decided, oh, I'm going to go to school too. I'm going to go to college, you know, and figure this whole thing out. And I was very fortunate at the time. There were a lot of programs and grants available to help you kind of get through school, through college. Um, I graduated from high school at a very young age and then went into went to Temple in Philly. I grew up in Philly. I am a diehard, I know this is diverting, but diehard Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Philly, Sixers, Flyers, okay. you know, Philly is in my blood. Um, so, but I um, was also in the Navy RLTC program, but not with a scholarship. I was very fortunate. Like I said, I had the grants and different things. I did get a, a special prize award when I graduated which paid off all my student loans. Thank you, God. Um, wow, but that's great. Through that time and being an RTC, I don't even think the reality set in that I've been in RLTC for the past couple of years and I'm leaving home. I did. I had this kind of vision. I was going to get stationed at home in Philly, but then there weren't really places to get stationed in Philly. I didn't mm. like, it was until I actually got on the plane. I couldn't drive yet. Barely had a lot. I don't, I had a permit. I didn't even have a license. Um, because I, I got commissioned through University of Penn. So I was a naval officer too, and I could not drive. Um, and so it was like that reality hadn't set that I'm actually leaving home. And mm. so I was on the plane and that plane landed and my sponsor um, picked me up to take me to where I would be staying. You know, right. I did not at the time even know that I was going to stay in for 24 years. It just evolved over time and time that I, I will say I learned a lot from being in the military. I think mm. in the military, you get at an early age, some important leadership skills, mm. um, management skills, uh, accountability, responsibility. Um, mm. Was I always perfect? No, no, I wasn't. Um, there's some, you know, things that were interesting and fun. And uh, I, in hindsight, would not trade it for the world because of everything I learned places like I don't know if I would have ever lived in some places or experienced some things had it not been for the military mm -hmm. um so I, I definitely don't have any regrets about going in the military and because I stayed I stayed 24 years right and I enjoyed there you know when I think about it now it was great if I'm looking so where I'm sitting kind of what I have in my office space right now one of the things when I look up, it's a, a thing that my school temple sent me a few years back. And it says um, self-made, Philly made, temple made. And I think I say the only thing made, missing from that is I need to have Navy made, you know, at mm. the bottom of it. But those are the things that really help to shape who I am, you know, serving mm. in the military that long. Yeah. Great, great lifelong friends from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely would not. I, w I would be put in the whatever the military jail is if I went to the military. <laughs> I wouldn't get through boot camp. I'm too. I'm too. I'm too mouthy, you know. Um, but I will say, I mean, a person that had a very significant impact on my life was a guy 
um, who was a, a teacher of mine when I was in sixth grade, uh, who had been a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and he had just left uh, the Air Force after 20 years was when he decided to retire. And he decided he wanted to go into education. And so he became a, a vice principal and a, a teacher at this uh, school I went to. And he, um, it, it's so interesting to me that he took a liking to me because I was in trouble always in school. I mean, I didn't like fight with kids or do anything like destructive. You were talking. There you go. And I, and I have a loud voice that carries, right? So it, even if it wasn't like a bad conversation or something, it's just not possible to not hear me. Right. So, um, so I never got along with teachers. Like I hated school as a kid. Uh, I mean, still to this day, like have gone back to college and stuff a couple of times and it, it, it just inserts an anxiety into me that I can't, <laughs> that I, I am not interested in dealing with. So I get out, but, um, but despite these differences in character, I mean, here's this guy that's a lieutenant colonel and was the, a base commander and all this stuff and whatever. But he he interacted with me like I was like a person, not like I was a student child, which always drove me crazy when I was a student child. <laughs> um, but anyway, it just I don't know, like, even though I don't think I would have ever made it in the military, it, it definitely I, I I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, in the way that he kind of really turned my life around because I was really, when I went to that school, I was in a really low place and he really pulled me out of that. Um, and I mean, the, the career I have now in technology is a direct result of him insisting to my mom that I get, she get a computer with the internet in the nineties. Cause he was like, the internet's the future. You have to do this. Yeah. So she did. And, and now I work in technology, but I wouldn't have if it weren't for that. You know what I mean? Or at least probably not. So um, I, I guess my whole point just being that I think that's super cool that you serve for that long. And so where did you, and I'm not, I, I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but where did you end up when you left? Like what were you, like what rank were you or what, what, what were you doing when you decided to leave the Navy? And again, I don't mean that as like a measuring stick or something. Right. I just don't, just curious. So I will say one thing in, in, in what you're saying that, that it's not a measuring stick. I think that's one of the things that made my career in the military good. It was the people that I worked with. Um, I don't want to say worked for because we were a team. Mm. Um, the, the ones that served with me and some of them I still keep in touch with to this day. But, um, you know, they as a young officer, they were the ones who came in. They train you, teach you and help guide you along the way. You know, if you have a good chief and as is, is a Navy officer, hey, it's it's a, it's a great thing. And I've worked with several great chiefs across my career, and we were a team. I mean, we were, a, you know, you can't. I think those who are listening who served in the military get it. You know, they'll understand what that it's like having that that sidekick where you're the long ranger in Tonto and you're doing getting the mission done and doing the things you need to do. But I um. I, my last day, duty station was in the Maryland area, um, the DMV area, we call it, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Mm. And my son at the time was still in school, and he wanted to finish school with his friends. And that is honestly what um, kept me in this area. Um, and I, I ended up in Maryland. Um, and he, he, that was really the drive, even with retiring, the choice to retire because they had offered me a job that I 
wanted to end my career with. And I had always said I would get that job one day. Mm. They offered it to me and I had a choice to make. Um, and at this point, it was I I wanted to be able to be there from for him as a young you know male child. I was a single parent and really being able to formulate those years to give him that strong foundation. And I um, was working when I, I don't often share this story. He, I was working and <laughs> I was working at home and it's getting later. He said, hey mom, what are we gonna do for dinner? And I said, I don't know, I'll just give me a second, I'll get to it. Well, time went by and he said, hey mom, uh, did you, you know, what are we gonna eat? And he was still very young at the time. And then, and I looked at him, he said, mom, um, by now it was so late. And he's like, uh, did you forget? And I was like, oh, okay. And he was trying to fix his own food, you know, trying to get it going. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, I had kept kind of working and focused to getting what I needed done. Um, but then, uh, you know, a couple of days go by or uh, probably even a couple of months. And he said to me, um, mom, I need you. And I dropped my retirement papers within the next couple of weeks after that, because I realized I was so, and I'm, I'm, you know, not that it's a bad thing that I was very kind of careerish kind of person, um, yeah. but he also now looks at some of the things he learned from some of the good things he learned from, oh, he has a very good work ethic. Um, mm. and he is very, we had that time together once I retired to be able to, I was even in the military, I was very fortunate that I could be able to be there at school for the big things. You know, I either, I saved my leave vacation time for those reasons or I'd work you know kind of balance it out I can come back to work or work you know finish it up at home that night so we were very very fortunate that I was able to find a way to balance that out but I feel like I retired at that right moment to be able to be there with him um, and I retired as, as a Navy commander um, mm -hmm. and stuff so it was uh yeah it was pretty good yeah that's awesome that's mm -hmm. awesome well thank you for sharing that um this is a strange question, but <laughs> did you ever, did you ever, and I, I'll share my own story too. Uh, I'll share my story first so you understand where I'm going with it. <laughs> so my mom was a dietitian, right? Yes. Which, which doesn't sound like something that you could use to, to uh, threaten is too strong of a word, but <laughs> intimidate a child with. Yeah. Uh, however, since she's a dietitian, she works at the hospital, right? So when I was a kid, if I tried to pretend that I was sick from school or something, I'd be like, oh, I'm just, I can't today. You know, I just whew, think I got a fever or, you know, I've got a neck ache. I would always try and do something that like wouldn't have a provable symptom. You know what I mean? Like my neck hurts, you know, what could be staying, you know? And, and so she, and then she did this, I don't know. I mean, it was a few different times that she would pull this card where she would be like, hey, um, that's totally fine like that you're you know that you're not feeling well and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that but the symptoms that you're describing um align with this illness called um is it meningitis i think oh and she was like and the only way to test for that is with a spinal tap yes and i'm you know since i work at the hospital i'm friends with the doctors <laughs> and i told them the symptoms you were having and they said they could work you in here this morning to get you a spinal tap so that we can get that diagnosed. Oh, that was and good. every time I'd be back to school. You know that what I mean? Like I, was, I was good immediately. Um, so, so that's again, that's kind of the frame of reference. <laughs> so, did you ever leverage the Navy to intimidate your son into <laughs> into better behavior? No, I, I, I did, and I would, I will say, um, 
I didn't have to do that. It was after we were, you know, when he gets in that middle school years, high school, I was retired by then because I, I, you know, he was, we had our moments. We, and he, we talk about it now, but um, I think a lot of times I, we, uh, if he would tell me he wanted to stay home from, um, from school or something like that, he had to logically then debate the justification why. Mm. <laughs> so... Ooh, I would have been up for that. I would have been up for that. I was not up for a spinal tap. We would have to, and, and most of the time he would go to school. Um, <laughs> because I also taught uh, part of my, one of my favorite assignments in the military, I taught at the Army War College for three years. And I taught uh, in the Department of uh, Command Management and Leadership. Uh, Command Leadership and Management. It's been so long, I forget how it exactly went. But it, I loved, loved, loved that assignment. And so uh, I got to kind of really be this professor and teach and stuff. So a lot of those skills is what he got at home at that age, because that's mm. when he was in that, you know, elementary school, middle school kind of age. And so the research and different things we do to be able to teach our courses and stuff was pretty cool. And that, I think, was a lot of that formative year time mm. to be able to have, because we use a Socratic method when we taught where, you know, we're around a, a, a kind of, circle environment and oval shape where we're discussing you know key issues and trending topics and you know what happens with our government and international relations and diplomacy and um joint operations and different things that we would talk about and so being able to have those conversations like kind of with him you know half the time you think he's not you kids don't pay attention but they do, they listen to, like I, when I um, would be coaching sometimes at different things, I didn't, he picks, he was picking that up, you know, mm -hmm. he hears some of the terms I use and things I say, cause I see it in and now. But I think that was a lot of, I was, a, um, I, I loved, I think being at the Army War College, although I, I was Navy, but being at the Army War College gave me, it kind of rejuvenated this thing about me in history um, and being able to be, and I think that's a lot of why I like to write some of the things I do and do some of the research I do now is because of that experience and a lot of that time. I've always loved training, um, being able to oversee training or deliver training, but it was really, really, really kind of grilled into me and instilled in me there in a good way, in a very good way. So he got the benefits from some of that and see how the questions you got to write. And that's probably like I like why I like to interview guests on my show too because being able to watch, write these kind of thought-provoking uh, questions about you know, the work someone does or the service and products and, and the messages they want to get out into the world. I love interviewing people and being able to come up with that. It's pretty cool. I'm going to totally just swagger Jack you right now and steal one of your own questions that you asked me uh -oh. when I was on your show. But, well, but because you like interviewing so well, if you could interview anyone, who would it be? If you could have one guest, who would it be? Or maybe two. You don't have to pick one if there's multiple. But 
There are multiple. So it's so funny because I I knew I should have known you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> but I would, you know, after I asked you later on, like the next day, I was thinking, God, how would I answer that question? Well, here we are. So, the bell is rung. You know what I mean? The well, bell is I mean, rung. Hey, I've already had you on the show. So what else is there, right? <laughs> so, I mean, who doesn't want to interview Gary Vaynerchuk, right? I mean, okay. that would be that would be cool. And this one's going to probably throw a lot of people. Um, mm. But I'd actually like to uh, interview Donald Trump. I think wow. that would be a very, I mean, I, I had thought about what questions I would ask him. I, you know, I I would do that interview, but then they're like, I'd like to, I don't look for like, you know, who I I, want to interview people that are relatable, that um, aren't like the big top names in the world and stuff that people would hear. Um, Bob Berg, I I like authors of the books I've read. I'm a big fan of Bob Berg. Um, and then if it's going to be a funny one, my son, I would, if I can do an interview of him, that would be pretty cool. I think people would probably, it'd probably be the most hilarious. If we were true, we might have to censor that one a little bit. Um, no, but we're, a, we are, a, people tell us we're an unusual mom and son. And I told him yeah. we should have did a, is it Twitch? Yeah. Yeah. I said, we should have been on there playing video games together because we would have been killing it with live stream. You know, between the two of us, because he loves if I'm trying to play a game with him, he wants to snatch a controller. You know, he's like he gets he doesn't have that patience because he's a diehard gamer. Um, right. But I love Assassin's Creed kind of games, you know, and so okay. Assassin's Creed are like, oh, but um, he's like this. Is, he, he has this thing about his consoles, you know, that's how gamers are. And I just that would have been the most hilarious kind of thing on Twitch is watching the two yeah. of us. Because we have, we we've had a lot of fun and we've had some moments, but I it would be fun to actually. Uh, I told him I, I I would love to have him on your show too, and he's actually yeah. he's thought about being on your show, but not mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I know that I know that your show is a little uh, more. Um, I don't. It's ju- it's not quite as unfiltered as this show, I guess we could say, <laughs> and not that your show is like rigid or something. It's still very fun and open, but just. Um, I, I will say fuck and I don't think you do on your show. So, um, but, but you and your son, I mean, you can use this show, you can, you can use this show to release that episode. Then you guys can say whatever you want and you won't hurt your own brand. So, uh, I don't even have to be there. I'm fine with it. Um, but no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I love what you're describing because what you're describing is, I mean, obviously you're a parent and that's what you've talked about a lot is the instilling lessons and teaching and stuff. But what you're also talking about is, is being like a friend. Mm. Um, and that's a relationship that I have with both of my parents. Um, my mom, my mom and I are friends and, uh, my dad and I, who, you know, he passed away when I was 20, but we, we were friends as well. And I would, I mean, with him, it was almost like, and I, I don't mean to diminish his role as a parent or, or, or anything like that, but it was almost like we were friends first. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people that don't get that relationship with their parents. It's a lot more, not that it's not formal, like not that they don't love each other or something. You know what I mean? I don't mean to to say that, but just, they just don't see each other that way. Or if they do, it's not until much later in life, you know what I mean? But certainly not when the kid is younger. Um, 
and I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's ups and downs to all sorts of different ways of parenting and I don't have kids. So, you know, far be it for me, but uh, I think that there's something really cool when you can develop that friendship. Um, and, and I don't know, there's a really, there's a deep connection that comes from that, that surpasses just, um, I think that the parent child relationship, you know, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so how long have you been, you said, I, I don't know if you said specifically, but how long have you been doing coaching now? So I, part of what we do kind of in, in, in the role I was playing in the military coaching comes with that. Um, okay. I had very strong, I, I did a lot of human resources, personal development training, um, I came in the military at a time where at, at my rank, there weren't a lot of um, the combat kind of positions open for women. So mm -hmm. uh, I did a lot of that kind of training, development, HR and stuff. So we did coaching along the way, kind of guiding people. Um, and I think any leadership role in the military, that coaching comes with it. It's If you're really being a mentor, a coach, a leader, it comes with it. And I it was a very, I didn't even realize that coaching existed as a career until my boss, um, who had, he retired before I did. And he was, if you know, the government system, he was an SES. Um, and he was retiring and he, he went into the coaching arena and he kind of called me. He's like, Carolyn, this is what you need to look at. And this is what you need to consider. And so I did the homework and I said, I said, gosh, you can do this. I mean, wow, this is, great. I could do the training. I could do the coaching. And I got really excited about it because a lot of people um, really thought my plan was that I'd get this, uh, if you know the government system, this GS-15 job and become an SES myself. Uh, but that wasn't, you know, kind of the path I wanted. It's like I want to kind of pull away from that for a while because I've been, hey, I've been around the government for 24 years and my dad worked for the government growing up. And so it's kind of like, mm, let me see something different. Mm -hmm. I found out and he kind of told me about it. And I kind of, I'm you know, like, if I'm going to do this, then I want to not just take my experience with me, but I also wanted to be able to kind of get the training to make sure I fully understood the coaching world, um, that I was equipped with the right skills, not just the, you know, experience I had, but the education to go behind it. So I had to find the right kind of coaching programs for me to give me that, that was going to teach me that and, you know, give, get me to get to the level that I wanted to be able to be a strong coach, to be able to help people. The military, I believe, is about service um, and service was important to me. And so I didn't look at it. It's like, what job am I going to have? I'm actually turned down a few jobs uh, when I retired. It kind of people were upset that I turned them down. They were excellent, wonderful jobs. Um, but I looked at how do I want to serve next? It wasn't mm -hmm. just about this job uh, and how can I contribute? And that's when I realized what the coaching world has to, to offer. Um, mm -hmm. Education training was always important to me. And that's the thing I told my one thing I did. Uh, now that might have been a one time when you talk about discipline with kids. I told my son, you will graduate from high school. I mean, that might be our battle in this house. And he did, he did fine. But sure. that was a requirement to live in my house. You would graduate from high school. That was mm. important to me. Um, but that education and training and being able to share experiences that you have in life, I believe experience is one of the best teachers. And as you can kind of people, it gives people insight to be able to understand that and study. And so coaching was like this 
perfect next step for me to become a coach. And I have had no regrets, no second thoughts about it. In developing your business, yeah, there's some second thoughts that come along when you think, what the hell am I doing? You know, I, I never thought that at any time that I would be a, a business owner until then, you know, it could not even fathom. Even when I thought about being a coach, it wasn't about being a business owner. It was really about how I was going to serve next. And mm -hmm. so this whole concept of developing a business and, uh, you know, that part was new, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I, I see how you kind of got there, but so, I mean, now having done it for as long as you have, and, and I mean, it, especially since it started while you were still in the Navy, I mean, I guess, is it still just the, 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 that's that sentiment or that notion inside that you want to serve that still inspires you to keep going? Or what is it today that, you know, in 2020, that when you wake up and think about coaching that motivates you? Um, so I, I have, had the, the you know blessed fortune of working with some great great people um clients that i've been able to coach my coaches i call them um mm. i've had some you see you know there i um, work with some individuals who have disabilities or performance issues and uh when you can see them overcome that and mm. find a way to navigate through the work environment because often in life things happen to us that we don't we end up with a disability that we, you know, an accident or something, and it totally changes your life experience. And you talk about your, the lens that you see the world changing and accepting <laughs> of certain things and you know, being able to be part of that growth, as you said, that personal development, um, you talk in, in a new reality for them. You know, that has been, you know, part of why I keep doing it. And it can be difficult because often you, you don't hear the, the rewards or, or, or benefits, but you see it and you see the person moving forward. Um, and when I did a lot of work in human resources and HR, I used to say that was not a very fulfilling or rewarding role because, hey, HR is the easiest place to blame something on. Um, you know, some of the different things that would happen or you didn't see the accolades or different things that if you really look at the whole, the mission, vision, things don't get accomplished without certain uh, things happening. I like I said, I had a great career in the military. I got to serve in the joint staff, you know, to see different things, how they operated there and contributing to operational things. I mean, so that to me was, an, it was a very much, a, you know, a great experience to be able to see those things. Not everybody got to do those things. And it's the same thing when you look at um, serving as a coach, what keeps you going. And so I love training. I love being able to instill experience and knowledge and watching growth, especially when there are people who are eager students. And, mm. and coaching, you have to be receptive to it. You know, if you're if someone tells you, all right, you're you're going to give coaching and you're not going to give it a try, you're not committed. Commitment is big to me. Showing up, um, showing up, and then being able to take action to do that mm -hmm. because I can be the best coach in the world, but if you, I can't do the work for you, you know, I can't make you sit down and, and make you take the actions because maybe you're not ready for it yet. Maybe it's not, you know, you've got to really figure out, am I really to take the risk? Am I willing to do those things? Right. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> well, that, that's what I was trying to speak to at the beginning where it's like, it's this belief thing because it's like, you can give them all the techniques and a list of steps and like, Hey, here is a literal path to where you want to go. But if you don't 
and maybe believe is just not the right word, but if you're not internally already thinking that that's, that you are, are willing to, to participate in it, then the techniques will be irrelevant. Um, well, that's really interesting. Um, so, uh, I guess, well, yeah, actually that's something else I wanted to ask you about. So with your book, um, how, how had you ever considered being an author before you wrote your book? Like that seems like a pretty big undertaking to just jump into being an author. How did you stumble into that? So it doesn't sound like you stumbled into anything to be clear. So <laughs> I think that it's something that I always wanted to do because I, um, wrote, uh, I entered writing contests as a child. I wrote poetry as a child. Um, and I continued. So I have a, uh, bag, I guess more like a briefcase kind of thing that I have carried around since the day I left home. Um, and it has writings and things and notes. And I have a whole bunch of boxes and containers, all these notes and things that I've written over the time. And now I'm pulling it all together to see. That's why I say the projects, some of the individual projects that I'm working on now are going to take time. Um, I have this crazy goal now of thinking, I don't even want to say that thinking it's I'd love to be a New York Times bestselling writer author mm. and I have always had I used to read my writings to my stuffed animals and to some small little groups and different things that I would do so I think that's part of me that has always always been there but hey if you look at um some of the greatest writers and stuff at times who were not like they didn't get to be JK uh, Rowling's and so right. they didn't make a lot of money, you know, not every writer gets to that level. Even if you have one New York Times bestseller, it doesn't maintain at that level. You got to keep, you know, the next book and keep producing and stuff. So I had to be ready to receive and, and create a writer's lifestyle. So I think it's always been there. And, and I just had it's the path that I had to take. And I had to experience things to be able to be the writer I want to be, to be that strong writer, to learn how to write better. And I've been able to do that through my blog. I followed some very, very great, strong bloggers over time. And um, I think that's how I really got stronger with my writing. It's through, through the blog that I first I didn't do anything with it. I'm like, yeah, I'll write an article. Uh, four months later, I write another one kind of thing. But now um, there are times where I can average, you know, two to three articles a week. Uh, oh, wow. Month of November, it's National uh, Blog Writing Month, um, and the goal is to write an article every day. And I've um, I've made it, I think, from the time I started a couple of years ago. Uh, the first year I did not make it, um, and then I last year I just I got stuck and I couldn't get even really get into it. Um, so I only got a couple of articles out. But there's so much, even from that experience, learning because I learned where I was stuck and the things that I needed to do. Mm. Create more. Create is my word. I think um, we limit ourselves. And, and my company is Infinity Coaching, and I chose the word Infinity because of all the possibilities that are out there for us. And we will put these blinders on and not see them. You know, mm. and it's the same thing. What can you create? What can you create today? And it doesn't right. have to be these you know, big, grand things. 
because it's about how you want to live your life. There are people, you know, who don't want to be these big millionaires or billionaires, you know. They don't want to have the big fancy cars. They'd be happy living out in the country somewhere, you know, riding a horse or, um, you know, just doing, you know, more of a simplistic, minimalistic life. You know, and I think you see that I love, you know, Hemingway, Shakespeare, Maya Angelou, um, Baldwin, you know, you sit here and think about Langston Hughes, all these great authors and writers that are out there, and you sit back and look at, um, you know, they had challenges, <laughs> but sure. you, the, the, how they created, you know? two questions I have that are not the ones you correlated. I'll just pick one. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so how much time, how much time do you spend a week reading or a month or, or a year? I'm not trying to pin you to, to some uncomfortable thing, but just, it sounds like you're a very well-read person. And that's something that I, in my limited reading have read about, if you want to write, you got to read a lot, you know, cause that's, that's how you get exposed to more writing. So how, how much time do you spend reading? So this is where I would say if I am out of alignment with anything in my life that's one of the you know two the two things that i would say that is one of them um mm. i am currently reading about four books at the same time um but i have a whole collect like i have probably over a thousand books um and i've read some of them and some of them are like god i i, I you want to read it because it's like in my lifetime there's so many books out there and you can't read them all Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not this year been able to read to the extent. But then I said I, I read a lot for the work I do because I will, with the um, group coaching and things I do, we're often looking at the things we can pull from different types of leadership books. And not even that. We'll look at um, uh, books that are about people's life and how they applied leadership skills in what they created for themselves you know so it's pretty cool uh with what we'll select and what we'll do and what we'll go through and how we pull out principles from that so i've read a lot of those more so lately but i you know i i no longer said i'm going to read this many books a year i I did that and although i may have made the goal it traps me into this kind of like box of what you got to do and i will i sit there when i read uh uh, Dr. Hardy's books, Benjamin Hardy. I read that book in two days. You know, mm. I read another one overnight. Like I read it in one day. It was a uh, Cannonball by Amy Smith, and it's about midlife. And, you know, and her experiences and everything. And I was um, going to be. I interviewed her on my show, mm. talked to her, and kind of got to know her. And then I read the book, and I literally kind of just sat and read that book nonstop. It's only you know a couple hundred pages. 
but it was like you you kind of get into it and stuff and i was like okay but it the hardest part for me when i'm reading is that it reminds me i want to write <laughs> I, yeah I, I, like ah you know i'm juggling kind of time right now it's a couple of things i'm working on but i know it's like all right you know i gotta start creating a space to where i can block that time off and i can just create i yeah i've got like a, when i sat down i uh, and it's funny um I was sharing this with uh, another mutual friend of ours, Nate Garrison, uh, who also has his podcast, uh, The Extraordinary Podcast. And I was telling him, like, I have woken up in the middle of the night and outlined an entire book. I've done wow. that a couple times, and now I just got to put the meat to it. Yeah. And that's why I feel like, okay, yeah, maybe this is something I'm meant to do. You know, anywhere from, you know, leadership-based books to, you know, these wonderful you know, stories about people and romance and everything. I just kind of just, it flows. All right, this is this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, this chapter. Here's the main characters. And I got to get it out quickly. And then I put it aside because I know I'm going to come back to it. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I have a one of my, my best friends since I was six years old. Uh, we've we've known each other forever, but um, he has a master's degree in, in creative writing. Oh, wow. And um, he was you know, he, when he first started, he wanted, he thought he wanted to write like fantasy novels, like, like medieval, you know, Lord of the Rings type yeah. stuff. And, um, Lord of the Rings, but go ahead. <laughs> say what? I love Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I love that stuff too. But then when he actually got into school, he actually found, uh, which he never would have anticipated that poetry actually really grabbed him. And so that's actually what he really spent most of his academic career on was 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 poetry. Wow. Uh, like his thesis was a, a poetry thesis. Um, I want to read. He was actually he was actually on the walk show. If anyone would like to listen, it's uh, Chris Crabtree, Master Poet, is the name of that episode. Ooh. But um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but well, it was interesting because so he got you know he got really into the poetry and and was uh, honestly you know, has been published you know over. 10 times and um, is was held in, in some esteem at his, his university that he was at um, with his poetry, but he'd kind of went away from the novel stuff. And then I found this, this trilogy uh, that a, a friend introduced me to called the Mistborn trilogy. That's a, a fantasy series. That's a, a completed trilogy, unlike game of Thrones, which is an uncompleted <laughs> who knows where that goes anyway. Um, and so my, my friend read it and, and, and it just made me think of it. Cause when you were talking about when you read, it makes you want to write because I was like, so do you like these books? Because I, I thought they were just incredible. The Mistborn trilogy that is. And, and he was like, yeah, I really enjoy it. And he was like, but honestly, like, it's really kind of reigniting that desire to write yes. like my own fantasy story. And not because he thinks that like, this isn't good enough or whatever, but he's just like. I, I just think I could do my own version of it. That could be really cool. And I'm, I don't know. And you know what I mean? And so those wheels are turning again. So you writer types, that's how you operate. <laughs> well, that's on my list of things to do is a book of poetry. And I have some that I, so what I did, I just said, Hey son, I want I want you to hear something. And I read these couple of poems. And he's like, who wrote those? I did. I did. And I told him I did. He's like, no way. You know, I'm like, yeah, I did. And I'd still have them all. And I'm like, God, so I, I, toyed with putting those together is one of the things I do too. Um, yeah. But I'm that's gonna be like further down and stuff. And but sure. if you know if people are like, you wrote that? Yeah. I did. 
<laughs> well, for someone like me who's met you at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. Is what don't you do? So um, I will not jump out of an airplane. No, I am not. I, not I, not skydiving. So, so I I said on your podcast that I think I would like to do that, and I do think I would like to do that. I think I definitely would like to ride in a helicopter. Um, and I think I would probably think skydiving was cool, <laughs> but anyone who's listening to this that knows me personally would never buy that because I am not the brave one in the bunch. Like I am, I'm the guy that's like, you know what? You go ahead and I'll be right behind you. That's me. I'm not, I'm not first into the fire kind of guy. Um, well, so, so back to what you were talking about earlier with like, in it, it, what made me think of this question was when you were talking about how you you know, you had that goal in November to write a blog post every day and then, and then it didn't happen, but then you tried again the next year. So, Mm -hmm. and this is again, maybe a a bit of a vague question, but what does failure, like what means failure? Like what does it like, because it doesn't sound like you're someone who encounters uh, a, um, a situation where you didn't accomplish something as a failure because you're getting back in and, and trying again. So what does failure actually look like? Or what does failure mean? I mean, so, I mean, failure, I think, is something we got to have in life um, mm. because you go from it, you learn from it. And I know we always say we make mistakes. I made a mistake. Was it a mistake or was it a bad choice at the time in your life? You know, and how do you learn and how do you grow from it? So I don't necessarily, I don't like to say that people are a failure. They failed at something. It's mm-hmm. just that it, it's life's lessons that come. You know, we have to, the, the question becomes when it happens, how do you get back up? If you allow yourself to wallow in that self-pity in that space and not get back up. Now we do, we need to kind of, there's experiences that we need to mourn from, that we need to find ourselves in this kind of like dark place for a moment, but you got to get out of it and shake yourself out of it. And that's some of the best coaching I like to do is when people are on that, in, the, in that space and you got to, as a coach, meet them there, but you as a coach can't get stuck there. You know, you got to gradually let them pull themselves out. I think that's the biggest thing when, when um, failure happens is how do you recover from it? And there are people who never recover from things. They stay yeah. in that state and it's like they're, they, they, they just, that they spiral down from there, you know? Yeah. And I think that that is how I look at it. I didn't see myself when I didn't finish it that time as a failure. It's like, shucks, I didn't get it done. I'll do it again next year. You know, and there was one time I got down to the 28th day. Um, how many days in November? Wait, so I'll just say 29. <laughs> so it was the 28th day. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So I got down to the end and I didn't get to do the last one because I was I had to travel somewhere. And so I did it like a couple of days later and I wrote about it. It's like, hey, I'm still doing this one. I was committed to finishing it. It was a couple of days late, but I did it and I got it out. And um, I think, and, and when I, that when I do that in November, it kind of reignites the, the, that writer feeling that because mm. uh, you got to think of something to write for 30 days in a row, you know, what right. that look like. And so, the, like I said, this year was a challenge. Um, I'm sorry, last year, 2019. Uh, mm. And then in next this year, I think I'm, I'm going to be on it. I, I got the time blocked. I'm ready. And as it's yeah. closer, I'll think is their theme or how I'm going to you know do it this year. But I love doing the blog. I love writing. Um, and so I don't, especially now in life, back to what you were saying about failure. You know, I really, I don't, I, I can't say I knew that when I was younger about failure, how I feel about it now. 
that you know there like I said there are things that I've, I've I had to go through that you know at the time I was like damn what you know going through them but then you go back and you're like I could not have achieved or gotten where I am without going through that experience mm-hmm. yeah okay I did I didn't have enough knowledge or information to make the choice that was best at that time that I mm-hmm. could see it you know we get stuck and you know, again we're seeing us through this 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 one narrow lens that we'll see things through some time and those choices lead down certain paths but it's again what do you do with it you know how do you grow from it um, what is the lesson you're going to get from it and then what are you going to do next you know mm. how do you figure it out what comes next hmm. gotta bounce back up like tigger <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no i and, and that's kind of i mean I, I i kind of expected that that's not that I knew what you were going to say. I don't mean that, but I, I thought that you would have a resilient <laughs> response to that idea. But I think that's important for people to to consider and hear. And certainly it is for me because I think that it's really easy to, um, to fail in the short term and think that that means that you failed in the long term. It is, and and you haven't. You've only failed in the long term if you quit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you say it, if you believe that. Back to the belief thing. If you believe that this short-term failure is a long-term failure, it's it's Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where it is. Um, well, I don't mean to monopolize all of your evening. Yeah, oh uh, no, this I know how I I was prepared because I know you you go for your interviews and you do your things. So. <laughs> well, I like to you know I, I people I I. I People are interesting people and, and people have fascinating, I mean, your story is fascinating and I'm not trying to <laughs> flatter you, but it is, it's a, it's a, it's a really rich story in so many ways, but I mean, you're not famous in the way you're not a TV celebrity or something, you know what I mean? But that doesn't diminish the importance of what you have to share, but I don't think, I mean, we don't hear what you had to say about failure if I cut this off at 30 minutes, right? So um, because I would, I'm not smart enough to think of the question at the 30 minute part. You know what I mean? So we got to, that's really why the show is so long. Cause we have to wait for me to catch up. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but no, so, so obviously you, you do coaching with groups, with, yeah. with, uh, with individuals, with organizations. Is that, is that limited to your local area or, you know, are you able to, to work with individuals around the country, around the globe? What's your, what's your scope? What's your range? Oh, so I work with individuals across the, across the globe. Um, I have done um, coaching with someone, um, was it, oh gosh, I can't remember where they were so long ago, but they were not Australia, but somewhere. And I've worked, <laughs> you know, people in Africa where we've done some collaborations there it was pretty cool. Um, I have people in different states that I work with, especially because it's a very uh, virtual thing, especially with more people willing now to get on things like Zoom and Skype and stuff. Yeah. People are like, I don't, they don't want to get on the cameras. I have people I work with that I've never met in person. And um, mm. we kind of, we laugh about it. Like, wow, you know, we've never seen each other and stuff, but we work so well together. It's been great experiences. So it's pretty cool. It's, coaching is this global thing. And so I, I am a part of the International uh, Coaching Federation, ICF. And when I was thinking, I was working on something and I had referenced them and I was thinking, you know, this is, it's truly coaching is international. Um, You mentioned Coach Colin, who we both had the pleasure of meeting 
you know, talking to. And he's in Shanghai, you know. Right. He is, and he comes like, just like you and I are talking now. It's like, he and I talking there. You know, I have people I work with in New Hampshire. I have people, you know, all across the U.S. I mean, primarily I am based in the U.S., but I've had the pleasure of working with and meeting people who are killing it in different countries and different things. Like, I mean, killing it in a good way. Like, they're yeah, yeah. kicking butt, doing well, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very international, global thing. That's awesome. So if someone in our audience today was like, man, I need to talk to Carol and I need, I need, I need her to coach me. How would they do that? How would they get in contact? So with I encourage people to visit what I, excuse me, visit what I call my connection hub. And you can go to Carolyn Owens 360.com and it's Carolyn with the C C A R O L Y N O W E N S 360.com. And when you go there, you are going to find links to like, Everything about me, my website, my blog, um, my podcast, social media, everything is pretty there. I'm, um, I do my podcast is Let's Coach with Carolyn. And if you literally Google Let's Coach with Carolyn, the podcast comes up. Um, it's on Apple Podcasts. That's where I like, prefer you guys to check it out. Um, but I'm, it's on other places, too, if you prefer Spotify or iHeartRadio. And I have to I always give a shout out to Player FM because they, you know, found me when I was just like really starting my podcast and, and got the RSS feed, they were like one of the first people without me having to initiate it or do it, Player FM mm-hmm. and iHeartRadio. I never, ever had to, you know, kind of reach out. It was there. And then I had to kind of work with, I mean, even on a, what's that, Google podcast now. I need to get on Alexa. So, but. <laughs> I've tried every time I, I, I supposedly, my show is on Alexa. And then when I say Alexa, play the walk show, it just always it plays like a Walking Dead podcast <laughs> or something. It's like that's not what I want. I don't care about that. I'm gonna have to try it and see if I can get it coming because I can find your podcasts in places that you haven't found it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna try Alexa for you. See if I can see here or there. But okay. and it's so the podcast is Let's Go to Carolyn. Again, you can find it on whatever platform uh, you like to listen to, and. Um, yeah, you can always, my website is infinitycoaching.net. And I mean, that's pretty much how to find me. CarolynOwens360.com is the best place because everything's there. And then please, I did start uh, Instagram for my podcast now um, because I had Carolyn R. Owens as my Instagram page where I put like everything that I'm doing and you get to know not just Carolyn, the coach and trainer, you, you know, you get to know Carolyn on that page. But the podcast, when I just literally, let's go to Carolyn, I keep it simple. And I that's where you can see who I'm interviewing, uh, links back to the show, some cool things that when people I've interviewed, I like to share some of the things that they're doing and they got going on and stuff. So it's pretty cool what they put out a new book or different things. I do share it there and support the guests that, you know, take the time to come on the show. So that's pretty fun. Cool. Yeah, well, I'll definitely make sure and have links in the show notes to, to all that Thank as well. You. So people Thank you. I, to find it. I appreciate that. Well, for sure. Um, well, Carolyn, I, th- this is there's no way you're going to believe that I'm not trying to flatter you, but I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm really not. Um, I got to tell you, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this evening, but it's also it, 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 meeting someone like you is just it's refreshing because you're you're a very earnest person you're a very kind person you're a very generous person um and it was truly uh 
the fortune is all mine that I met you in Orlando. Um, and I, again, I'm not trying to be, to be flattering to you, but I really, really appreciate, um, the help that you've given me, but just, just who you are as a person, because you're, you're just cool as hell. And, uh, and it's, it's rare to meet someone that's, that's just immediately like, huh, that person's just a genuine, good, good person. Um, so, so thank you for being you and thank you for having me on your show and thank you so much for coming on the walk show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. I always enjoy talking to you. So thank you for you know having me on the show. It's an honor to me. folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much again to carolyn owens for coming and being a guest on the show thank you of course to misha zarens for providing the music and of course thank you listener for listening to the episode you can find all of carolyn's contact information in the show notes and i really really strongly suggest that you go listen to her podcast as she's just a delight to to listen to and has some really interesting guests and conversations i would also like to invite you to listen to my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by me and brett lindley Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters. So we talk about video games, and while we do cover news and reviews and current events, we also try and talk about the emotional connection that we have with gaming and and why it's so important to us. So if you like long-form conversations like you hear on The Walk Show and like video games, then I strongly suggest you check out Pick Up Your Sticks. Pick Up Your Sticks is available anywhere podcasts are found, so wherever you listen to The Walk Show, you should be able to listen to Pick Up Your Sticks as well. Again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.